This show was brought to you by Ouch My Ego. OuchMyEgo.com Hey there, everybody. It's a brand new year. It's the January episode. In this room, we have Elby. I don't know if she's going to contribute or not. What? Uh, there you go. She's contributed. And our guest, other than Elby, is Tom Nix. Also in this room. Yes. Because most of the time, this is done through telecommunications. And right now, he's right in front of me. Through human communications. Through human interpersonal interaction. So, Tom Nix has a huge resume of podcasts. I don't know if it's huge, actually. But You want to find out? Yeah, you're about to tell me. Go ahead. You want to tell you how, how, how huge it is? Yes. On your, the air, your, live? Your resume you of find, podcasts. You want to find out yes. live on the air yes. in a non-visual medium how huge it is? Yeah, no, wait, what? Yes, yes, verbal, <laughs> verbal, yes. Elby tell- gets it. So, yes, okay. So, I wouldn't call my podcast resume huge, but I certainly have done my fair share. I contribute to the Splat House uh, alongside you and Elvie and many, many, many others. I uh, also have appeared on the SOV POD. No, is that right? Yeah, uh, yeah. T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D, I've appeared on that. I've also appeared on Xenopod from the year 5000. You can also find me uh, semi-regularly on the IWC, the Intelligent Wrestling Conversation podcast. Uh, and I also host my own wrestling podcast called Wrestling, wrestling is, is everything. everything. So I guess it is rather huge, really. Yeah, see? See? <laughs> I was right. All right. And we're not talking about your penis. He got it. Because I got it. It took him a while. But it, didn't he got take me, it didn't take me a while. It's just how I work my humor. So you're here because, well, you suggested this film. I did. Well, what did we just watch? We just watched Peter Jackson's first film, 1987's Bad Taste. At last! Shit! The story that made Meryl Streep throw up is now the movie that Steven Spielberg wouldn't dare to do. Busted! Monty Python meets the evil dead in Bad Taste! It's a gourmet's delight with 2300 bone-chipping, blood-dripping shots. Count them if you have the guts. Thrill to adventure beyond belief. I just hope we're in time to save the world. Be amazed by incredible exploding sheep. Sickened by bizarre alien rituals. That's gross. From New Zealand, the land that taste forgot, comes the masterpiece juicier than an all-black jockstrap. The old magic's still there. It's the most awful movie of the year. With more chainsaws than a lumberjack camp. The place is like a bloody abattoir. It's bad taste rated. I'm born again. If you have half a brain, grab the video now. Which is I love when the guest goes ahead and says the date and Peter like does this little I'm here for you tiny inch. No, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, Platypus Jones does that, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so great. I don't even have to date the thing. I don't have to say 1987. (laughs) I I just did, but you know what I mean. So Peter Jackson. Yeah. So uh, Peter Jackson in my formative years as a film fan, which we won't get too into because I was extremely late bloomer when it comes to film. Like I didn't start seriously watching movies till I was in college. Why was but, that? Why was that? Seriously, how old? Do you want to get into yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Okay, it's not. It's not like a creepy, crazy, like hmm. hyper conservative Christian story. My parents just didn't have any cable and didn't like movies. <laughs> so like, we would go see kids movies. Like they'd take us to see like the Care Bears movie, and my mom snuck me out of, could not snuck me out, called me in sick in first grade so we could go watch uh, Masters of the Universe in theaters because she knew Dolph Lundgren. Yes, because she knew I liked He Man. You lucky dog. All she knew was there was a He Man movie, and my son likes He. Man did not expect to see 
a mostly naked Dolph Lundgren get laser whipped by an old man in a skeleton mask, but that happened to both of us in real time. Um, <laughs> but so those are the kind of movies that my parents would bring me to. They owned two VHSs, both of which I bought for them. One was Jurassic Park and one was Top Gun. And that was the all the movies we had in the house. Everything else was taped off television, but we didn't have any cable. We only had basic TV. So taped off TV, I had a lot of Shark Week. I had a lot of Academy Awards and Grammy Awards. I had some just whatever, like award shows and that's it. Like that was my huh. family's video upbringing was whatever's on basic cable and we can tape it off TV on the, the old VHSs. Well, I guess all VCRs. Yeah. You could change it from like VHS SP. to CVHS, SVHS. Yeah. Yeah. We'd, oh, because we didn't know any better, we're like, we're just going to record it. Like, why would we only want two hours and we could get six hours? Not knowing the quality was yeah, basically it's like drop potato. It. Yeah. <laughs> we, didn't have, we didn't have any idea. So that's, that's, that's most of my filmic upbringing is taped off TV movies and kids movies in the theaters because my family never went to films and enjoyment, their entertainment value was never, hey, as a family, let's sit down and watch a film. Hmm. My dad didn't watch movies. My mom didn't watch movies. So I never grew up And with no them. TV shows? Very rarely. Like, music? What's music? Uh, let's see. That's my, a shorter answer, uh, please. Bob Seger? <laughs> okay. Madonna in the 80s? Uh, when I was a kid, it was all radio hits. Like, my dad did have some Led Zeppelin. He did have some police. What was their entertainment? Raising kids. They just had a hoot? Raising kids? They didn't do, like, my dad golfed, and my mom would, like, bake cookies. And that was her escape from the world is baking. Wow. So, like, okay. we didn't, like, sometimes we'd go play putt-putt golf occasionally. Like, it's not like we lived in a nothing, like, we can't have fun, we are not a fun family. We just would, like, talk to each other. She would bake, my dad would golf, but, like, we rarely had any kind of, like, family outing, and there was never any, like, movie night, or there was never any, like, oh, I'm gonna sneak my dad's old And VHF when you got into Dead. it was in uh, college. When I graduated high school, went off to college, I found a lot of friends there who had spent much like a lot of people listening to this podcast mm -hmm. and yourself, their formative years were watching VHF to VHF to VHS. I worked at a Blockbuster. Yeah. And... I worked at an amusement park. Oh, that sounds more fun than Blockbuster. <laughs> But, well, my my experience at Blockbuster was me being thrown under the bus time and time again until they fired me. And the block I, bus? Yeah. Uh, tur. Yes. <laughs> and I was very rarely guilty of the crime that they threw me under the bus for. But anyway, that's neither here nor there now. I got $109 out of it from a class action lawsuit for wrongfully fired people. Woohoo! Yeah. That's like so, what? That's like that's like what half a week's pay? Yeah. Okay. So I did watch television. I watched sitcoms until like I was like 14 or so, and then I started getting out of the sitcoms thing and out of the cartoons thing, and then I started noticing like, hey, cable has movies on, and then not just basic cable, some pay cable, but UHF stations and stuff like this that would get these odd packages from Empire Pictures or something, mm -hmm. where they would be, well, not Reanimator for some reason, but from beyond. Sure, which is arguably worse. <laughs> It is worse. It is. <laughs> I worse. mean, content-wise, it's it arguably worse. worse yeah. but it's also not as good of a movie. Oh, I really like it though. It is good, but that sort of thing. Those are like not the first seeds. That's like the sapling growing. The seeds go all the way back to Jaws and mm -hmm. Mad Max and things like that that I had seen. But I'd seen that when my parents plop me down in front of a TV while they're hanging out with their friends and they don't really know that Mad Max is a violent movie and that an eight-year-old should probably not be watching it. But anyway, I, so that's how I got interested in the, in the strange stuff. And I didn't know about this movie, Bad Taste, until after Dead Alive, aka same. Brain Dead. Same, same. And I didn't know about Meet the Feeble 
Gables, which I'll never cover. It's a bad movie. On this, yeah. It's it's tremendously I will never cover. That's it's the second movie that he did after Brain. Bad, yeah. uh, bad taste. Bad taste. I yeah, was bad taste. Then made the Feebles. <laughs> then Brain Dead. There's a Forgotten Silver's in there somewhere. I Forgotten Silver comes after. And also produced Jack Brown Genius. There you go. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, a list of Peter Jackson works, but this one and Dead Alive or Brain Dead have the same style of music, absolutely. Yes. Which drives me nuts, because I don't like the music of it. No, it's not a wonderful score, but like, I mean, obviously when you film a movie with essentially no dollars, <laughs> I mean, realistically, like, everything is handmade, and it's all my friends, and somehow they got a couple bucks to do some explosions, but like, virtually everything in that movie is just Peter Jackson being a little creative workhorse and making everything himself. So you don't really have the budget to spend on an actual composer, and this really was just weirdo synth scores. Like it's just it's just weird keyboards. So it's just, and I agree with you. Like the score is like I collect a lot of movie scores on vinyl, and I love scores. Yeah. This is not something I would ever listen to on its own. Like it's just not. It's not. It doesn't add anything to it. Would you, you just, own it? You the score on yeah. vinyl? Honestly, I'd probably own it just for a collector's purpose. Like if like if this came out in 1988 or 87, let's say this actually came out in a record. Mm -hmm. I would want to have it because I the movie is somewhat special to me, so I'd like to have the score on vinyl as a curiosity, but I would never listen to it for fun. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does, because it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun. It's a bunch of noodling, and it's weird. B by the end of the film, like during the climactic goings-on, which we'll talk about later, yeah. it does pick up a little bit, and not that it becomes like hyper-engaging and great, but it actually seems like they tried to score the moments. Maybe that's part where, of where, the money. Where a lot of the early stuff is literally like you said it's just like it just sounds like someone noodling on a Casio and it's like great it's it's music it's better than not having music right. but it doesn't it's not doing anything yeah no I always had the the gripe about the oboe in the X-Files and I'd be like, there, there it is. It's like a drinking game. Note the oboe. Whatever you want to drink. I'm very hydrated. You're drinking water. Note the oboe nevermore. Right. Uh, so let's get into what the movie's about. Hey, Elby. Uh, yeah? So you were in the same room as I when I was watching this. Can you tell me what this movie is about? You want me to tell you uh, what? Yeah, tell me what, ha what happens in this movie, according to you, who was in the same room, but I don't think was watching. I was not watching, no. So from a, per from a perspective of someone who who was present during this film uh -huh. physically and maybe not mentally. Well, what what happens in the film Bad Taste? Um, well, yeah, I definitely was not really watching this. I was busy listening to Bon Jovi, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> From what I can tell, okay, so this is a movie about a guy with curly hair, and he's in the outback of, does New Zealand have an outback? Is this New Zealand? Oh, I don't know. And I don't know, there's like a bunch of those caravan truck things, and then he looks at something with binoculars, and then there's like people with really deformed faces, and um, that's all that I know. So the plot of this movie is a man looks at something with binoculars and curly sees haired man a curly haired man in the New Zealand outback looks at things with binoculars and then sees a bunch of deformed faceless people yes. that's the plot of bad taste yes okay sort of partially you're dismissed <laughs> thank you good night thank you <laughs> Oh, uh, no. Okay, Tom, do the honors. Okay, so what this film is about is there's a curly-haired man, and he's he's in the New Zealand outback, and what he's doing is he's part of a government team that, that observes things through binoculars, and... <laughs> oh, you broke! Oh, you broke! 
You should have kept it going. It was difficult to not break through that. Well, what is this organization that he works for called? It's the Astro Intelligence Defense System, I think. Yes. Which, which uh, obviously is not the most wonderful acronym. It's AIDS. It's AIDS. And uh, they mentioned how they would like to change the name of that. But essentially, the plot of the movie is that the movie starts with like a very shadowy power figure getting a phone call of someone having being attacked by something, and they dial in what's listed on their on their rotor dial as the boys. And essentially, what it is is Peter Jackson plays the main character, semi-main character named Derek. Derek. He's got a team of friends that are effectively an alien defense league, like Men they, in Black. Yeah, they basically in the Dazeelan Outback they fight aliens, and there has been a uh, suspected invasion of Earth that the boys are called upon to fight off, which they attend to fight off, but <laughs> with increasingly violent <laughs> yeah. methods. Yeah, yeah, but like they do not operate in any way no, like a government agency. Not, not at all. They're like, uh, well, I don't want to kill it, but then they end up killing it, and it's really brutal. But the guys that they figure are the aliens at first we're just dropped in and there's a, just a guy shambling after another guy yeah it looks like it looks like an undead thing like like it starts off thinking like if if you didn't know which most people wouldn't you would think this is a zombie movie right because it starts out exactly like that it's a shambling figure chasing sort of following a guy down a road but this figure has an axe it's holding an axe. So then you're like, oh, is this a, an early Romero zombie in which they use tools? They do, people. They use tools. You know what a rock is? It's a tool. And a zombie picks it up and smashes a window. Romero zombies use tools. Also, they are tools. <laughs> so what it turns out is that, because like when that axe-wielding uh, quasi-zombie meets up with Derek... I forget the beefy guy's name. Uh, Ozzy. Ozzy, thank you. I don't know any of the other guys' names. One's Barry. Oh. One is Ozzy, one is Barry, Derek, and there's a fourth guy. I think it has something to do with Ozzy. Ozzy's definitely one of them. You're it, yeah, it's, it's like what I'm saying. It's not like, like we don't have it's the a pathway pair. to the internet. Yeah, in I don't want to. I don't want to. But that's not what this podcast is for. This podcast is either know it or forget it. Yeah, which, well, sort which of. Which one is the one with curly hair? That I'm, is Probably Peter, Peter Jackson, Jackson, right? Yes. yes. That's so, Peter Jackson. But the point, the, the so the point Derek. of that that fir very first encounter, even Peter Jackson's character, because like Ozzy is trying to shoot it, and Peter Jackson's like, the headshot's the only true stopper. Zombie. And they even like set that up to be a thing. zombie thing. Yeah. But what it is uh, ultimately revealed to be is that these creatures are just aliens in effectively human disguise. Yes. Like, at, at a certain point in the movie, they all reveal their true alien form, and it has nothing to do with them being in the brain of a human being. No. So it's a very strange, off, like, trying to push people off the wrong way to start, saying, hey, this is a traditional zombie movie. It's not, even though the gore is there and the practical effects are there, and Peter Jackson really leans in on the gross-out <laughs> shots lot in this movie. There's, there's a lot of brain. Brains. Yeah, there's a lot of brain material. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of uh, how could I possibly dismember this human being in the most uncomfortable way possible? Now, Derek, let's say. Yeah. I'm watching it and I'm like, Derek, that's Peter Jackson. Correct. Derek is Peter Jackson. And then he has this fight with not the axe wielder, but a different one who he trapped uh, with a rope around his leg and he's hanging yes. off of a cliff. Yes. And. I'm watching it, and I'm like, that's Peter Jackson, but he's got a full beard, yes. and his hair is much longer. Yes. 
and he actually looks like a different person. Yes. Except he looks like Peter Jackson. Well, spoiler alert, it's Peter Jackson. I know. <laughs> what I'm saying is one's clean shaven, shorter hair, mm -hmm. one's got a beard, mm -hmm. longer hair. They mm -hmm. look like two different people at the same time they look like Peter Jackson. Correct. And they are him. And it's just weird how facial hair does that. Yeah. It's and traditional Peter Jackson versus the portrait of Peter Jackson as Bilbo's grandfather. Sure. Okay, whatever. I don't follow. Is that a thing? Yeah, actually? in The Hobbit, there's like there's like hanging portraits of Bilbo's parents or grandparents or whatever. And, and one is Peter Jackson, one is his wife. Ah. But like, but like, because he's a hobbit, they're clean shaven in that portrait. So okay, so it's it's Bilbo's granddad versus director of Lord of the Rings. It's his Hitchcock. There you go. Well, movie. because though he's also in the Fellowship of the Ring as a drunk outside of the Prince oh, geez. and Tony. Oh, so gosh, ego, dude. <laughs> And, well, I mean, he did cast himself twice in his debut film. And I will, <laughs> right. I will give Bad Taste credit, even though it's obviously extremely low budget. They did organize a sequence where the director fights himself That's on, great. A, on a cliff. That's great. That's <laughs> on a the cliff. scene. That is the scene in which I think this movie actually has earned its stripes, I suppose. Whereas it's, it's a very cumbersome film most of the time it is um, i i loved it when i was younger when i was like 18 19 and just getting into like that gory kind of cinema it was like threshold ecstasy question. to me so you I was were like, like oh my god it was like it's like you did yeah evil dead too oh what's this new zealand outback <laughs> thing oh uh, it's kind of like evil dead but stupider no way stupider because <laughs> like, it's really stupid but like but it was this it was this diy guy who loved horror movies like i did made his own horror movie made his own effects did all the visual work like it's really remarkable that as such a young person would make that kind of ambitious thing even though it is not great but as a 37 year old watching it uh i might be 38 by the time this comes out it just is like like you it's it's cumbersome like it's like he had a couple good ideas for effects and they just kind of shoestrung a weird plot into it. Like, watching it again for the first time in... I probably haven't watched it since 2004 at least. And I watched it just this week for this podcast again. Yeah. Literally half of the movie goes by before they even get to the House of the Aliens. And then, like, that's basically the rest of the movie. All right, House of the Aliens. There's two locations in the whole film. The Outback. The, the, uh, the New Zealand Outback. Yes. And uh, his grandma's house. Yeah. That has been repurposed into an alien spaceship that hosts all of the aliens. Yes. And that's basically it. That's those. But are the why two are the aliens there in the first place? Here's the aliens' master plan, Elby. Do you think you could tell us the aliens' master plan? Why would the case? aliens be? Why in would the they come New to New Zealand outback? Yeah. In particular, and, and, it's, and it's not because they have delicious blooming onions. They didn't come here for that. Uh, I don't know. No, do you Just, have any idea? Any guess. guess. Any guess whatsoever? What, yeah. Yes. What would aliens be here for? Greenery. <laughs> they want to look at the outback. As, as an scenic tour? Yes. yes. Okay. Go. No. no. You're wrong. That is unfortunately not the reason the aliens came to uh, tourist-friendly New Zealand. But it is New Zealand, and it's so pretty. Yep, you're correct. But that's not why they're there. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, greenery... Could be correct. If Depending, you're talking about garnish, that's yes, correct. Or a bowl of puke. Or, so I will tell you uh, before I lead into why the aliens were here. The first couple times I watched that movie, there's a scene in Bad Taste where one of the aliens vomits into a bowl, and then every other alien drinks out of the bowl. Peter Jackson vomits. Peter Jackson into the drinks bowl. into the. Yes, it's his vomit. Yeah, I, it's a puppet of his head that it's, vomits. It, 
really, if you're going to get down to it's it. It's also technically true. It is, a, <laughs> it, it is a puppet of bearded director Peter Jackson, yes. not clean-shaven Peter Jackson. Yes. He vomits into a bowl and everyone drinks out of it. When I first watched this movie, that was the only scene in the movie that actually made me a little queasy. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Now, watching it back again felt fine. Like, oh, it, like, no, it no, didn't, no, It didn't feel mm, gross to me no, this time. No. But that, those first couple times, I like, this movie has a scene where... A person shoves an Uzi through the ribcage of an alien and shoots other aliens through it. Yeah. It has a scene where someone's brain comes out the back of their head and they and they basically use a belt to tie it back together. While yeah, it's Peter Jackson does that. Too. Peter Jackson oh. does that. There is a bunch of violence in this movie, and the grossest thing to me was this minty fresh vomit that dummy Peter Jackson vomits. Out. It's a porridge. It is a it's a kind of porridge or a custard actually. So here's the deal. Peter Jackson knows that this is the thing. This is the thing that got the people. Not the brains, not the chainsaw through the big alien at the end, yep. which I think we should describe later. But we will. This bowl of puke, it's it's like got cereal bits. I think it's just like uh, Fruit Loops or Lucky Charms type stuff in this bowl of green custard. Now he knows everybody was disgusted by it. And this is also the most disgusting part that he brought over from Bad Taste yep. into yep. Dead Alive. Yep. With the porridge bowl in the ear. Yes. And or the pus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pus, the ear, and the the custard. The he, it's, he's absolutely right. Because these two scenes are super disgusting, even though I know it's just green custard food, mm -hmm. food coloring. I get yeah. it. Like at the end, when like the bowl is full, yeah. it even has like sprinkles on Th top. That's of what it. I'm talking about. The sprinkle sort of things are has, has to be cereal. Right. It has to be bits of cereal just to make it look like, chunky. Like it's not even like goopy, disgusting, like brown colored, like oh, snotty no. vomit. It's, it's like a minty fresh. So they each take a swig pudding. out of it, and why the scene is here actually is to have the human character who's masquerading as an alien Ozzie, masquerading as a human. No, no, it's one. not. It's, it's the other guy. It's, it's Harriet. It's, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we'll stick with that. He goes ahead and has to sip on it, and they're all staring at him because he's like moved down the line incognito, trying to like not be seen. And finally, the bowl gets to him, and he drinks it. And then he's like, "Oh, well, that's pretty good." And he goes back for seconds. It's really disgusting. Yeah. I see the gruel is ready. Exquisite, okay, Robert. Well, like I said, as an older gentleman who watched this movie, it was not nearly as gross as it was when I watched it as a early 20-something. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if just because of years and years of watching more disgusting shit than that, it didn't affect me as bad. But, like, it's also probably the most effective use of Foley in the whole film. Because, oh, like, uh, everything's uh, just the retching bloody. sounds that comes out of that is not pleasant. And, like, the vomit is steaming. Like, you can see the steam coming off of it. It's really gross. Yeah. It's really nasty. I'm glad you fell asleep for that part, LB. Or, or, <laughs> or, or just had bad medicine on repeat. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. You were listening to Always for the 30th time? It was Always, actually. <laughs> Yeah, so that. But the house itself, uh, most of the time, it's just his grandmother's house, you said? but It, it definitely looks like an older person's house. Like, yeah. it, it, I thought maybe you had inside info that he uses it, grandmother's it house. It probably could be, but okay. I don't, I, I, I'm making that up. I don't know if that's true. Okay. But it's too quaint to be a young person's house. Like you said, there's not a lot of story here. There's just a lot of action to get to the house, and surrounding the house fight at the end, closer to the end, is this big fight with a rocket launcher. Which is a comically 
absurd rocket launcher. Yeah, he gets it out of the trunk of a car and blows up the car and then blows up part of the house and then uh, unwittingly blows up a sheep. Yeah, now that sheep was supposed to be actually uh, antagonizing them throughout the entire movie and that's the only scene that they kept in. I don't mind it. It's yeah. still very funny. It's funny, yeah. It's very it, funny. It shoots straight through the house, doesn't hit anything. Misses the leader, goes through the hole that Derek has cut through the house Yeah. in the shape of his body holding a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> How does that even work? <laughs> And then, for whatever reason, this person has a single sheep in its backyard. Yeah, it's just sitting there and it's all boom, mat. <laughs> Explodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, so this movie isn't the worst of the worst clunkers. It's not even the worst that I've covered on here. And it's I charming. Don't, it's charming. I don't even try to cover the worst. I'm not one of those podcasts where... Let's just rip this thing a new one. But if the movie happens to have one to be ripped uh, a new one of, then sure, let's yeah. do it. So Solar Babies was one of those... <laughs> Repo, the genetic opera was another one of those. Oof. Yeah, I know. And this one, a little bit. A, yeah, a, a it's, bit. It's not good. It's it's not a good film, but like, well, again, like it, it depends on your perspective. Like, again, when I came to this movie at 20 years old, who had just gotten into horror films and was like just bewildered by them, just watching this movie by a guy who was not much older than me at the time, or, or at the time this movie was made, was not much older than me. You know, obsessed with horror, obsessed with maquettes, obsessed with It can with be monsters. done! Yeah, it gave me this hope that it's like, oh, this guy made this really ridiculously weird, wild, violent, crazy movie with all these weird camera shots and he did all the effects himself. Your and experience it with this is my experience with El Mariachi. Sure, yes. And, yes. But El Mariachi is even arguably more impressive because that was just $5,000. Right. A and it seems to be a lot more coherent. <laughs> How many exploding sheep are in El Mariachi? Zero. You're, you're right. Where'd that sheep come from? I'm sorry. So I'm just saying, as clearly El Mariachi is technically better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In every single way, from, from a directorial editing standpoint, sure, it yeah. is a much tighter, more... It's got a cohesive story. It's this a, one Yes, this, this movie doesn't... It barely even has a story. Right. I mean, like, Elby's description could fundamentally be correct. It's just missing the last just, part of just, the film. It's, it's just... By the way, we never actually got into why the aliens are here. Oh, we skipped it! <laughs> That's hilarious! <laughs> Fast food. <laughs> they are here to kidnap uh, and package up and tenderize the human race. Excuse me, that's abduct. We're talking aliens here. They're not kidnapping. They're being Abducting. abducted. Fine. Why? How come aliens can only abduct people? We can't. Because what are they gonna do? Like throw a bag over the person's head? No, they gotta zap them out of a building. But they or didn't something. though. They just they they took them out of their homes and beat them to crap and then put them in boxes. I guess that is kidnapping, huh? But the alien's mission is that Crumbs Crunchy Critters, yes. if I remember correctly, yes, is, correct. is the name of the fast food company that the head alien runs. And he has had quarter over quarter of declining sales because his competitor has come up with more exotic food for their fast food. So his plan is to come to Earth, grab a bunch of humans, tenderize their meat, and then ship them via spacecraft back to his fast food restaurant where he will serve human burgers because he believes this is the taste that will captivate a galaxy. <laughs> yes. All right, so the town that they are in, I got this from Wikipedia, is called Kai Horo. Yes. Which is a portmanteau of two Maori words. Okay. It means food town. Hey, look at that. Yeah, so. I didn't know that. Yeah, so the, you said transport by spaceship? Yeah, because the spaceship takes off at the end with you, the boxes in it. You mean house? Well, I do mean house. <laughs> right, 
So when the house is, the house's properties are simply, uh, it's a house and it's also a spaceship. Now, how does that work? Uh, it doesn't, but the spaceship pilot guy, he pulls a lever, whatever, and the lawn starts to. This is the best part about the lawn piece. It's not even retract. a lever. He's actually cranking it. Oh, wait, it like, no, you're right. Uh, like you would crank a, like a, a, a windshield back in the old 70s, 80s before we had power windows. Yeah. Like, cr he's cranking in the lawn. And here's the other part. When the lawn is fully cranked in, it reveals that there is a lawn underneath it. Exactly. <laughs> now, was that a joke? I don't know. This is okay. This is where I'm trying to figure the logic in in every episode. Yeah, I always have logic. one logical conundrum. Was this intended as a joke? Because it would be a great joke. But then it's not treated as a joke. Like, like no, it's, it's, it's not. Like it's not like they like land on the grass and like look around me like, oh, still still grass here. Right. Yeah. Like it's just they they fall off the fake grass and just roll onto existing grass. Yeah. There's functionally no reason for there to be a rollout lawn. It, it could have been just like, yeah, that's funny. Right. Right. Yeah, 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 that's funny. Let's do that. But again, like, uh, Peter Jackson certainly wasn't, like, he wasn't like, hey, what are the logistics of this? That's a terrible pun. He was mostly, he was, it was, that was a great pun. That was that was a terrible pun. That was. I like puns, and that one was bad. So. Well, first of all, bad is the best kind of pun. All right, fine. Like bad is like tippy top. You got it. You won. So you won uh, the pun. <laughs> so anyway, he wasn't concerned with that kind of stuff. Like he obviously all of his planning for this movie was to shove was a chainsaw th from a guy's head, head through, through his, his butthole, butt. yeah, and then come out his butthole and say that he's been reborn. Yeah, um, that's the end of the movie. But Derek is. Trying to get to the bad guy. And that's, not, that's not the end of the movie. Well, not quite. It's very close. Yeah. He's trying to get to the bad guy. And he gets inside the building. He cuts out his body shape into the wall. And the missile hits the sheep. Yes. Yeah, we've got all that. Everyone then, escapes the, the lawn being rolled in. Yeah. With the exception of Derek, who is trapped in the house. Yeah. The spaceship house takes off. Yes. And... The boss is uh, looking around for him, so they have a bit of a skirmish. Yes. And finally, that scene happens where he jumps from the ceiling. He cuts a hole in the ceiling, the ceiling bonks the bad guy in the head, and then Derek, like, swan dives into him with a chainsaw. Which is very Sharknado, if you think about it. Yes. But he goes through his head and out his butt, yep. and his head's hanging out. I'm born again. Which he says while breaking the fourth wall for yeah, the only time in the film. He just looks at the camera. The only time that happens. Yeah. All the while, this Peter Jackson is not the Alien, obviously. This Peter Jackson this is the one with the belt on his head, and he's keeping brains. Because during the fight sequence with himself, he is knocked off of a 55-foot cliff, mm -hmm. lands on a rock. However, his fall was broken by a bunch of seagulls, right. but, but not enough to prevent... Massive brain trauma. Massive damage to his cranium, where a little, like, light switch-esque little flap yeah, comes out the back of his head and exposes his brain. And every time his brain is exposed, he goes into like kind of like a like a seizure. Yeah, he has a seizure because his brain is exposed to the elements, which is spoiler alert and health reasons not good for your brain. It's supposed right. to stay in your head, yeah. not be out of your head. And he's constantly finding bits of his brain and on the when ground. His, when, his, when, when his brain flap opens, part of his brain falls out. So what he ends up doing most of the movie is picking up pieces of brain, opening his brain flap, and just stuffing brain back into his head as though that connects the dots and makes your brain work. Right. And at one point, he replaces part of his brain with the alien brain. Yeah, which does this do anything? Could it do anything? Maybe he has Perhaps. coordinates now. Maybe, maybe now. He, maybe now he can fly got... a spaceship. He maybe. knows where home is. Well, he knows how tasty human flesh is. Well, I don't know about any of he that except for, for the vomit. flying spaceship. Yeah. Because it, at the very end, which is what you were leading to, yeah. he is flying the spaceship and he's 
He's bringing the fight to the aliens. We, I want to point out that the hero of this film, not only does he come out of a dude's butthole <laughs> with a chainsaw, the end of the movie is him wearing the skin of the person he killed flying towards their home planet with the intention of chainsawing an entire race of species to death. I'm coming to get you, bastards! <laughs> Yeah. What's he gonna do for fuel? Chainsaw fuel, you it's know? A good, it's a good question. I don't know, he's just gonna start hitting them with the dead chainsaw. Yeah. It could still hurt. But I mean, he's he's never gonna stop because yeah. as established... Derek's don't run. Yeah, you're right, because that's the quote. Derek's don't run. Yeah, this movie, yeah, I would say it belongs here. Now, I did Dead Alive before, and we did the director's cut of it's Dead wonderful. Alive. Well, I haven't seen the director's cut, uh, so I don't know. Oh, I, I haven't it, seen it. Well, it's a composite of all of the, the movies. It's excruciatingly long, so it's outstanding. Like it puts well deleted some, scenes in? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. might have seen that. Yeah. It's not as good. No, it outstays its welcome. And in fact, Peter Jackson likes the American yes. domestic cut more because it streamlines everything and gets to the point quicker yeah. and doesn't fiddle around with certain things. Yeah. So, Elby. Yes? Have you seen Dead Alive? Yes. I kick ass for the Lord. You have seen it? Yes. Willingly seen it? Yes. Okay. I thought maybe you hadn't seen it. I was going to ask you if you could describe the plot of that movie. <laughs> oh, um, well, I have a bad memory, so... I'll oh. give you a hint. A curly-haired man is in it. <laughs> no, no, no. No, he's not. Timothy Blaine is not curly-haired. But uh, it is... It's set in the New Zealand outback and a uh, little town in the New Zealand outback. And it There's has a, a lawnmower. Yes. It has a lawnmower in it. And a baby. And a zombie baby. Yes. A, a, yeah. a baby of varying dimensions. Because <laughs> he's a little puppet. He's a big dude running around in a suit. Yeah. Force perspective stuff. That's where he started with his whole Lord of the Rings force perspective. Uh, I mean, that's how he got the gig, I imagine. Yeah. So someone just saw him reduce a man in a baby suit to the size of a baby. It was like, I need, I, that's, that's Frodo. That's my Frodo. That looks realistic. <laughs> so this did lead to better things. I would say. And what I do actually quite like a lot about this movie is the camera work. Yes. I want it I want the editing to be way tighter. I want the scenes to flow. But the, the camera work is really nice and kinetic. The editing is weak in a lot of places, but also it's a it's a first time director who Except who, for the double fight. That thing That was great. great. But like uh, some of his trick shots that he yeah. did like does, like I noticed this time there's this shot where they reveal so like that first alien with an axe that comes yeah. at them, they blow his head off. Yeah. And they blow his head off from his nose up. Yes. So like he's got his mouth and his nose and That's just, horrific. Like, it's, it's 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 a great it's a great makeup thing. But the way they reveal that is they have a camera go through the legs of the guy that shot him up to his face, to his point of view, and then it kind of like sort of pan cuts to reveal the, the alien's face shot off. Mm -hmm. But you can tell not only is the handoff through the legs a little wobbly, but the reveal of the alien is just not handled well. Right. But it's like, that was an interesting way That's to really do it. That's really ambitious. Like, it's, it's like you thought, you thought that through and you tried it and you stuck with it and it wasn't perfect, but like a lot of directors wouldn't have gone that That's route. That's some evil dead stuff it is which is what that's uh, weird it's, it's almost weird that that's that movie has only came out four years after evil dead yeah the first one yeah and if i remember correctly this movie took almost two years just to shoot because they did it all four. on weekends four four years so basically like this movie was being shot around the same time no that, i think it started in 84 okay so after evil dead okay after so he, still it, it did come out after evil dead I mean, Evil Dead 2 was 87. Was 87, so it came out. Came uh, out at the same time as Evil Dead 2, but like. In stateside, it came out in 89. There you go, I didn't know that. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't get a hold of it until late 90s. I got a hold of it when it got the double disc uh, DVD release, which I still have from this Anchor This one or this one? Anchor Bay. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
He's the cover has a middle finger flip off or a British or UK Commonwealth or whatever it is. I think I want to the, say that I the had backwards. I want to say that I, I want to say that my version has a lenticular that does both. Oh, that's neat. Actually, I think it. I think <laughs> it's it like does. the best special effect th- in the movie. I think, I think it has. I think it's one of these. <laughs> it's on the poster. Yeah, I think it's one of these. Um, but also the discs themselves are disc one and uh, disc two. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> and he's he just flipped me off. In both America and the UK, yeah. <laughs> for one and two, that's pretty good. So, well, so it's, well, I think we're we're actually quite at the end here. Consensus, watch it. I guess if you're really a purist, Peter you, Jacksoner. It, well, and, and not even that. If you have an interest in making movies or or, or, or just an interest in like this movie is not great. It's kind of like a dork male fantasy in oh, a yeah, lot of ways. Yeah, no, it's totally. just not great. But hey, like, this movie doesn't have any sexism in it because there's no females except. You know, you know what? No, except for like the expenditure of men, like being fodder, that could also be considered sexist. Killing Can a bunch it? of men, yes, because sexism goes both ways. But there's zero women in the film. But there are zero women in the film. <laughs> so, so it's so just it's, a bunch of men. But regardless, you will not be overly entertained by the clever dialogue or whatever. The special effects are not good, but they are good for the budget. But if you have an interest in filmmaking or you just want to see someone be creative on a budget, Mm -hmm. there's a lot worse films out there. Oh yeah, absolutely. A ton of worse films out there that don't do this as well. What bad taste brings to the table from the low-budget DIY horror genre is charm. Ambition. Yeah, it's ambition and charming. It's it's a charming story about a curly-haired man (laughs) in the New Zealand outback who through his binocular habit stumbles across an evil plot by some mutated men to (laughs) fill cardboard boxes with cut up pieces of people fry them garnish them with lettuce and tomatoes and serve them on a bun to the highest bidder in space in space so thank you tom i appreciate you being here we just shook hands and uh yeah thanks um hey lb yeah thanks for poking in welcome that's what he said good night everybody (laughs) that looks realistic